0: Welcome to Evolve Nutrition Radio, where you learn how to ditch the diet mentality and deconstruct your health and fitness goals into habits you can do for the rest of your life. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in and I want to welcome you all to another episode of Evolve Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Alex McMahon, and this is episode four 12 Principles for Sticking to Better Nutrition. Eating better can improve your health and well-being from head to toe. There's really no debating that. Everything from improving your digestive system, all the way to energy levels throughout the day, allowing you to lose more fat, and boosting your metabolic rate can all be byproducts. Not to mention something such as improving your hormonal profile as well. However, when it comes to sticking to a nutrition plan, that's an area where people end up with a lot more trouble. Uh, Consistency is something that a lot of people struggle with because they haven't set out a plan or a specific set of principles for themselves to follow. Now, that's what makes something like staring down the barrel of a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts so hard to say no to when somebody knows that their long-term goals are fat loss. Another big part is that because consistency is a mandatory ingredient to getting healthier and to losing fat, having those right principles in place that allow you to say yes or say no in a specific situation can be really helpful when it comes to somebody who has long-term goals but more of a short-term mindset. Now, a short-term mindset is going to allow somebody to say yes to the donuts even though it doesn't support their long-term goals. It's also the same thing that's going to cause somebody to allow a higher skill weight or higher measurements or maybe looking puffy in the mirror to cause them to jump ship and to say, well, things aren't working anyway. If you haven't prepared and you don't have the principles in place that allow you to know what to do in the face of stress of a plateau or maybe cupcakes at work, then staying consistent is going to continue to be a losing battle for you. When it comes to adopting healthier habits around nutrition, people have a tendency to make things a lot more complicated than they need to be rather than making them as simple as possible. Simplicity and the basics are really where 95% of the progress is going to be made for just about everybody, myself included. So when it comes to things getting too complicated too quickly, people become overwhelmed, stress sets in, and eventually folks are going to revert back to their old habits that don't support their new goals. By focusing on these basic principles and getting them mastered, you're going to be setting the stage for a lifestyle change and going to be ditching the diet mentality and getting ready to stick with it in the long term. This week, we're going to be covering the principles that you can use to follow better nutrition. Let's get started. Alright, the very first principle is to remove foods that you're avoiding from the house. Willpower is a limited resource and each decision that we make and all the stress that we encounter throughout the day can be viewed as a withdrawal from the willpower piggy bank that we have. And because that piggy bank is only so big when the well runs dry, that is when we'll typically make the decisions that actually don't support our long-term goals with our current actions right now. After a long stressful day, when willpower is completely zapped, that's when it's really easy to hear the Keebler elves or Ben and Jerrys calling from the freezer and to get up and to give in to that. And that's because willpower has been completely diminished from a long day of work and also making a ton of decisions. If you have these kinds of foods in the house, eventually you're going to eat them. I wish this wasn't the case and I wish that everybody had an ironclad willpower. However, because this isn't the case, you can use this to your advantage by taking the foods that you know are going to provide some kind of trigger for you and just simply removing them. Another helpful tip is to change how you view willpower. If it's something that you feel completely helpless against or you feel like you don't have any power against certain foods, then that's how you're going to end up behaving. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. However, if you view it and you know that you have willpower over a certain food, or if you know that you have the power to overcome that food and that you're stronger than it, then that's how you're going to act. Either way, I always recommend that people get the trigger foods out of the house and the likelihood of you giving up and eating them is going to be greatly decreased. That way, you can dedicate that extra willpower that you're not having to work on to avoid those foods to something more constructive. Principle number two is to change your environment. If you wanna make a change in your life, especially around nutrition, the environment that you put yourself in is dramatically going to matter. Because we're constantly reacting to the environment around us, if you're surrounding yourself with junk food, those foods are gonna be the kinds of things that you're consuming. This also applies to your daily routine. That means that if you have a habit, or if your environment Causes you to drive by a Starbucks where you stop every day and you get a really sugary high-calorie drink Then you may need to make some dramatic changes to your environment in terms of how you get to work So maybe you take a different path that doesn't drive right by the Starbucks that you know triggers you to stop there and get that drink Also the foods that you choose to have around or not to have around are gonna are gonna form your environment so that means in your house at your office. It also applies to going out to eat with people. So if you go out and your friends are always getting pizza and beer and you're the person who chooses to get a salad and they give you problems about it, maybe it's time for you to have a talk with those people about what your goals are and why you're specifically changing the way that you're eating. Now if those people can't understand and can't support you in that, another way to change your environment that's a little bit less ideal is to find another group of people who will support you Another example of this would be if you're trying to eat smaller portions, you can change your environment by changing the um, size of the plates, the bowls, and the cups that you're using. Now, if you are constantly eating off of larger plates, bowls, and cups, the thing is those larger portions are just going to become normalized to you and they're what you're used to eating. Now, if you change your environment by using smaller cups, smaller plates, and smaller bowls, then those are all things that over time are going to become normal to you and you're going to acclimate to that. If you want to eat more fruits and vegetables and have more fruits and vegetables in the house, a good way to do that is signing up for something like a CSA, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture. And essentially, there's going to be a a, a local farm or garden that will literally drop off fresh fruits and vegetables to your house or to a group pickup location once a week or either bi-monthly. So that means that you'll pay it up front And these fruits and vegetables will be brought to your environment, you'll stick them in your house, and your likelihood of eating more fruits and vegetables will be increased. You're literally just changing your environment. Now, when it comes down to the battle between what you know you should be doing to reach your goals and the environment, the environment will always win. However, the thing is, you have control over your environment, and you can change it if you choose to. So, we're constantly reacting to the environment around us, and if you change your environment, you'll have a much easier time changing your habits and staying consistent with your nutrition. Principle number three is to be patient about where you are and the path to where your goals are. It's good to have a goal, but where many people get in trouble is setting unrealistic expectations and a time frame to be able to achieve those expectations and goals in. If you're consistently falling short on your expectations because they're unreasonable based on where you currently are, then it could be time for you to adjust those expectations to be more in alignment with where you are. The problem is that many people get frustrated by the results they didn't achieve for the work that they didn't put in. Now, let me say that one more time. A lot of people get frustrated by the results they didn't achieve for the work that they didn't put in. Sticking to your diet 75% of the time will never get you 100% of the way to your goals. These consistently failed expectations and goals is a one-way ticket to frustration and to failure. Something you're going to have to realize is that nobody who has a physique or a body that you admire or one that you want to look like happened like that overnight. It took years of consistency, dedication, and hard work and small tweaks to their diet and to the lifestyle. They didn't diet, they lifestyled. Now, no one gains a ton of fat overnight, but also nobody gets in great shape overnight. It takes time for both of those to happen. By sticking to the plan and dedicating to staying on course instead of going on the diet cycle where you get frustrated and give up, you're going to get to your goal a lot quicker than if you were to just give up and diet and go on the vicious cycle again. Step number four, principle number four, is going to be to set smarter goals. Having a goal will always be a step in the right direction, but setting the right kind of goals in a lot of ways matters more than the actual goal itself. Most people will set a goal based on something that they think they want and then try to achieve it. But the problem is that if you don't really know specifically what you're trying to shoot for, it's going to be pretty tough to hit the mark. One of the most crucial components to ensure that you're having an effective goal to shooting for is having it be specific and measurable. Now, somebody typically says, well, I want to lose fat. Well, they know that they want to lose fat, but it's not very specific and it's not very measurable. How much fat, how much time that you want to spend and all those kinds of things. So a better example would be, I want to lose 15 pounds of fat in 90 days. It's very specific in terms of they want to lose fat and they want to lose 15 pounds and very measurable. And did they lose the 15 pounds and did they do it within the 90 day time frame that they set for themselves? The next component to setting an effective goal would be making it challenging yet realistic. Now, if somebody's 70 pounds overweight, trying to become a fitness model in six months is going to be a little bit unrealistic. Now, on the complete opposite side of that, though, if somebody's 70 pounds overweight and they say that they just like to lose 10 pounds in the next six months, that's such a small goal that it's actually going to be pretty difficult for them to stay motivated and inspired to hit it because it's so far under the mark. Another thing is that most people are going to have a tendency to set outcome-based goals, which means it's more of a finish line type of goal. It's a really long-term one. It's their North Star that they're following. Now, this could be doing a 30-day nutrition challenge. This could be losing a certain amount of weight. But the thing about outcome-based goals is that they're really the byproduct of getting the right behavior-based habits and goals in place. And unless somebody addresses the habits and behaviors that are going to be um, really pivotal to that person hitting their goal, it's going to continue to fail. I also encourage people to to set short-term and long-term goals. This means that these are things you're going to be able to accomplish today, this week, next month, and then also next year. The benefit of having behavior-based goals is that you have total control over them. Um, You know, your ability to be able to hit the mark on all these behavior-based goals are going to be something that you have control over. However, with an outcome-based goal, you could have done everything right and you still may not get to what your goal was, which can leave a lot of people feeling like they failed and feeling somewhat discouraged. A set of habit-based goals and what it would look like would be something like strength training three times a week for an hour, um, sprinting or doing high-intensity interval training two times a week, Uh, having salads five times a week, So if you look at it, you see that this person doesn't just have one opportunity to hit their goal throughout the week, they have roughly 10 opportunities to achieve a goal. And what this does is when somebody sets out a really long term goal for them to follow, you need to have little goals along the way to accomplish to keep the person motivated and inspired. The fact remains, when there's a fat loss or health goal, there's going to be plateaus, there's going to be times where it feels like the person isn't making progress. And these people need to be able to see that they are still absolutely making progress, even though their measurements or the scale may not be budging, they need to be able to have these tangible small victories to celebrate to keep them inspired and motivated on the way to their bigger goals. Step number five or principle number five is going to be to focus on protein, fat, and vegetables at breakfast. Now, breakfast isn't any more important than either lunch or dinner in terms of what it does for the body, but what it does seem to do for many people is it kind of sets the dietary tone for their choices throughout the rest of the day, and this can be of a huge benefit to certain people who have a lot of trouble maybe overeating at night or making worse decisions with their nutrition later in the day. So by focusing on protein, fat, and veggies, it's actually going to help the person feel fuller for longer. It's actually going to reduce the cravings, and it's going to allow them to have better control over their blood sugar and glucose. So they're not going to have those big energy crashes that are going to cause them to get up and have to go to the vending machine, or to have to grab a cup of coffee to prop up their energy. They're going to have more slow-burning energy throughout the rest of the day. So, this blood sugar stability is going to help prevent those energy crashes that we were just talking about and the cravings. It's also going to allow people to stay on course at work and it's going to allow them to stay on task and be less concerned with where their food is coming from or the next snack. Many people also notice that when they eat a breakfast like this, um, not having those energy crashes and not having to constantly eat allows them to feel cognitively a lot sharper. So, they're able to concentrate a lot deeper on the tasks that they have at work. Also, from a fat loss perspective, when you wake up from a good night's sleep, you're in a perfect hormonal state to be metabolizing fat, and that's what you've been doing while you've been asleep. Your body's been tapping into your fat stores. When you eat a breakfast that has a ton of uh, denser sources of carbohydrates, when your body secretes insulin to be able to store those carbs from your breakfast, it's going to jam the brakes on your body's ability to burn fat, and you're going to switch over to burning that glucose that you just consumed. Now by sticking to a breakfast that's more protein, fat, and veggie centric, um, you're going to be able to avoid the energy crashes, you're going to have better control over your appetite and your cravings, and your glucose, and not to mention clearer cognitive faculties as well. So what this could look like is making a scramble with bacon and eggs and some kale, or maybe grabbing a few hard boiled eggs and a half an avocado if you have to have something that's a little bit quicker on your way out the door. Now, if you're going to continue on the same path, what you can do is if you work out earlier in the morning, you can start having a serving of starches at lunch to make sure that you're replenishing that muscle glycogen that you burned up. Or if you work out in the afternoon or later at night, I would have a salad and then have a source of starch before your workout and then have the majority of your starches at your uh, dinner so that way you can relax and enjoy your bigger meal and also make sure that you're getting enough carbs in your diet to support your activity and your recovery and everything like that. So principle number six is to get honest about your why. When it comes to making sustainable change, many of us aren't really honest about why we want this specific change in our life and why it matters in the scope of what we have going on in our life. When we look honestly at the things that we aren't happy with in our life, it gets pretty uncomfortable pretty quick. But the problem is that being honest and having these things that sting a little bit are going to be the fuel that allow people to stay on course and to stick with long-term sustainable change when they are faced with problems and challenges. So let's be honest, it's really not about looking better in a bikini. It's not about losing a certain amount of weight for a high school reunion or a college reunion or something like that. There's a deeper rooted reason that people want these kind of outer layer changes. And it's going to be something that's going to sting and it's going to be something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable. But that's kind of the way that it has to be. You know, when we're really honest about the things that we're not happy with in our life, it can be a really powerful motivator. And for something like sticking to nutrition that a lot of people struggle with, you're going to need a more powerful motivator. Now, I can't say what that's gonna be for you because everybody's totally different. But some of the things that I've heard from my clients that have been really powerful have been, you know, avoiding getting diabetes. It can be setting a better example for their kids because they feel like their parents didn't set a good example for them when it came to eating healthier and nutrition habits. Um, Some of them have said things like being able to keep up with their kids later into life and being able to see them graduate college. And I don't know about you, but those are a lot more powerful motivators when I hear them than something like fitting into a bikini or losing 20 pounds for a reunion. So, um, you know, I I believe in this exercise and I believe in figuring out your why so much that it was something that I actually included in my Kindle book, Simple Fat Loss. Um, I had people do it in the second chapter and I asked them to go through and do this exercise before they even considered taking a look at any of the fat loss habits because I believe that it's that important. So I'm going to ask that you answer each of the questions below in succession and continue asking why until you have, until you've nailed down what your why is for why you want to eat healthier and why this matters in your life. So the very first question is, why is eating healthier important to you? Why does that matter? Why what you just said? Why is that important? And why that last one? Now, if you're interested, I have a PDF version of this exercise that guides you through it step-by-step step, and it makes it really easy. Now, if you'd like to email me at evolvent.period.pdx@gmail.com at gmail.com and you put five Y's in the subject line, I'd be more than happy to send you that PDF. Principle number seven is to get back on track the very next bite. One bite won't hurt or just try a little bit. Those are the famous last words of every single person who's ever gone off their diet and also of someone who has the fear of missing out. Let me assure you, on the other side of that donut, on the other side of that bite of ice cream, there's nothing you haven't experienced before. Nobody's reinvented ice cream, nobody's reinvented the donut or the cookie. They're all just the exact same thing. And let's also be honest here about the fact that just one bite of cake or one slice of cake rarely stays that way. People will assume that their entire day is shot, and because their day is shot, they'll just turn it into a quote-unquote cheat day and get back on track the next day. The biggest challenge with this whole scenario is getting the person corralled and back onto the plan. They say that, oh, you know, I'll just start back on Monday. The only problem is that some people's Mondays actually take a few weeks to come around. Now, after a few weeks of being kind of off the rails, the person comes back and all their hard work has been undone. Now, if this happens one and it would have legitimately stopped at that one singular bite and the person could get back on track the next bite, all that progress wouldn't have gotten undone. However, because the person's inability to set that principle and to get back on track the very next bite, now three weeks later, they're starting over fresh. So instead of starting tomorrow, make a rule, make a principle that every time you have something like that happen, you're going to get back on track the very next bite or the very next meal. Instead of jumping off the ship altogether, get back on track as soon as possible and I promise that it will improve your chances of sticking to the plan long term. Put the past behind you. Dwelling on it only makes you live in the past and fosters negative self-talk. You're not your food choices and your self-worth isn't found at the bottom of a bowl or on your plate. A slip-up doesn't make you a bad person, it makes you human. If these slip-ups happen every few days or on a weekly basis, it may be time to re-examine A, whether you're really committed to fat loss and whether this goal really means that much to you, or B, whether the habits you're taking on at the current moment in time are just a little bit too big and need to be chunked down into something smaller. After a slip-up, make sure that you focus on protein, fat, and veggies as anything that tastes sweet may trigger further cravings. Also, make sure that you go a little easy on yourself. Mentally beating yourself up over a choice that you made doesn't do you any good. And in all actuality, the stress that you're going to place on yourself from making a few bad choices and from slipping up are going to be far worse for your psyche and for your actual physical health and fat loss than the actual food may be in and of itself. Just make the rule and make the principle and stick to it that when a slip up happens, the very next bite or the very next meal, you get right back on plan. Principle number eight is to keep better snacks on hand. Ideally if someone gets better with their nutrition habits and they get them in a better place, the goal is to reduce snacking and move towards three square meals a day. This is gonna help with the appetite regulation hormones and it's gonna allow the body to actually tap in and use the fuel that we have stored on the body instead of constantly relying on food intake to be able to fuel us. It's good to have time between meals where the body isn't storing food constantly and has to turn to the body's reserves for fuel. For now though, let's just focus on when you do eat, making sure that it's always high quality foods that are going to support your goals. We all know the options in the vending machine aren't gonna support your health or your fat loss goals, so that's pretty much out the door. But if you think ahead And you know that there are certain places that you're going to be and certain foods that you're going to have available that can support your goals, thinking ahead and making sure that you have those foods with you on hand can prevent energy crashes, it can make sure that you don't get hangry, it can make sure that you have something that's going to be able to actually tide you over until you get to your next meal. Personally, for people, I recommend they keep a stash of snacks in their desk at work and then also have one that isn't perishable that they keep in the center console of their car. Now, you don't need to bring half the grocery store with you, and it doesn't need to be something that's the most divine meal you've eaten all day. It just needs to be something that's going to be able to tide you over and make sure that you can get to your next meal and continue to eat in a way that's going to support your goals. So some common snack foods that you could keep on hand are going to be things like jerky, nuts and seeds, um, any kind of canned fish. Tuna, salmon, sardines, uh, coconut chips, fruit. And if you have something like a cooler, you could even toss in some hard-boiled eggs, maybe leftover meat, or cut up vegetables. Now, keep in mind, again, this doesn't need to be a gourmet meal. It just needs to be something to tide you over until you get to your next meal. So principle number nine is to be prepared while eating out. Going out to eat can be its own challenge and can be a very significant one when it comes to sticking with healthier eating as well. The social pressure to indulge and and not knowing what foods will be available at the restaurant can be a cause for concern when it comes to trying to really stick to your plan. Before you go out to a restaurant though, take five minutes to look over their menu and see what they have available already or what you can make small tweaks to that will make it so that you can stay on plan with your nutrition. Another helpful tip can be if you are the person who suggests where you go out to eat. When you get large people in groups, people rarely want to make decisions or people rarely want to go out of their way to kind of make the decision for the group. So if you take the lead and you make the decision, people are probably going to follow along with it and they'll be happy that somebody took the lead so that everybody gets to sit down and eat eventually. Now, if you choose to be the person who who makes the decision for the group, you can pick to go somewhere that you know will fit your current nutrition plan. When you get to the restaurant, don't be afraid to ask questions either or make some special requests. Something as simple as exchanging bread or pasta for an extra side of veggies or something like getting a sauce or a salad dressing on the side can be something that will help you stay on track and it's a small adjustment for the people to make. Now, let the waiter know that you realize that some of these requests may be a little bit odd and that they may incur some extra costs that you're totally willing to pay for them. You'd be surprised because this lets them know that they'll be compensated for going out of their way and it will make the whole transaction between yourself and the waiting staff far smoother. Now, most restaurants are gonna have things like salad, so ask for the olive oil and the vinegar on the side. You're also always gonna be able to find a place that has a protein source, such as chicken or steak or fish, and some kind of vegetable, maybe Brussels sprouts or asparagus or green beans, and a starch like potatoes, rice, or squash. Those are common things that you're gonna be able to find at most restaurants that you're going out to. So I've also created a PDF guide that shows you how to eat and the best foods to get while you're going out to eat in these kinds of situations. And if you'd like that, use the same email that I gave you earlier. Um, pdx at gmail.com and in the subject line, put guide to dining out and I'll be more than happy to send that your way. It'll let you know a full breakdown of the restaurants to go to, what dishes are going to be good to order there and basic things like that. So go ahead and email me and I'll send that your way. So principle number 10 is going to be to eat slower. We rarely take the time that we need to relax and eat in a mindful manner that allows our body to fully absorb and digest all the nutrients that we have. There's so many different things competing for our attention these days that it's easy to ignore the task at hand of eating and focus on a screen or a stupid cat video or something like that. Now when you slow down and take the time to smell and look at your food before eating it, you let the body enter the parasympathetic state also known as the rest and digest. What most people don't take into account when it comes to scarfing down their food and looking at a screen the entire time is that contrary to popular belief, digestion doesn't actually begin in your stomach, it begins in your brain. In anticipation for the food, from the sight, the smell, and the touch, it triggers the secretion of digestive juices in your stomach and readies the body to digest food, but this whole process begins with your, with your brain and also with the relaxation state that you have to enter to also eat the food and be able to digest it. When you eat a meal but you're stressed or you're on the run, your digestion is literally shut off. The sympathetic state, also known for your fight or flight response, causes blood to be directed away from the digestive system and for the digestive system to slow down and to stop making the fluids that help with the process. After digestion starts in your brain, the next stop is your mouth. Now your mouth is where saliva is going to be secreted and we're going to be doing a lot of the mechanical and chemical breakdowns of foods with chewing. Now a lot of people look at our saliva and they think it's just spit, it's just water. However, your saliva contains electrolytes, enzymes, and hormones that are all supportive of the digestive process. By chewing more thoroughly, you allow adequate time for the gut to also signal to the brain that you're full and well nourished. This helps you to shut hunger off in the brain and allows you to push the plate away before you begin to eat too much. By adequately chewing, you allow the digestive system and the brain time to communicate in the manner that they were designed. You remove some of the burden off of the digestive system by increasing the mechanical and chemical breakdown that happens when you chew foods adequately. You end up with a more appropriate volume of food, and you also end up pushing the plate away without the bloated feeling that a lot of people end up with. Principle number 11 is to realize that change and progress takes time. Regardless of what the diet and fitness industry has told you, nothing happens overnight and very few hacks actually work long term. If there was a shortcut that was effective, it wouldn't be a shortcut. It would just be the way that people do everything. Changing habits is going to take time. There's going to be mistakes along the way. Don't allow yourself to be discouraged when change doesn't happen right away. You'll need to put some work into these changes and show patience with the process. I can promise you that at some point in time, your progress will stall. But your ability to realize that your goals are on the other side of a lot of hard work are going to determine whether you're going to achieve success or whether you're not. They say it will take roughly 28 days for a habit to be formed, and this doesn't mean that you won't see any kind of physical or health changes before those 28 days, but for it to become part of your lifestyle and your new default to really adopt that habit and to make it something that becomes your new automatic, you'll need to be patient, and you'll need to give yourself at least this long just to stick with one singular habit. Too much change too soon ends up causing overwhelm and are going to revert back to their old default habits. If you're expected to change everything, you're going to continue to fail. And this is why diets continue to fail, because people are expected to change everything right out of the gates. Focus on changing one habit every two to three weeks, and before you know it, your small changes, your small habits will have built up into an entirely new lifestyle that you can continue to use to make progress for the remainder of your life. Principle number 12 is to do what works for you as an individual and to experiment. Like I'd spoken about in episode 0, there's no one-size-fits-all when it comes to nutrition. Everybody's a bio-individual, and what works great for one person may not work well for another. Now some people may benefit from following a low carb diet while other people are going to feel horrible Their athletic performance is going to tank and their body composition can actually get worse from using such an approach Some people are going to want to be vegan other people are going to want to follow a paleo way of eating The big thing is to decide upon a framework that works for you That makes you feel your best and that you know that you can stick with in the long run Not another short-term diet Another thing to keep in mind is that as your spectrum of health changes, your diet might also need to change too to meet your new current needs. Things such as your hormones, your metabolic health, your training load, your sleep and your stress are all things that can change how effective a plan was for you at one point in time. What worked to restore your health may not be the same diet you need to follow to hit your new current goals. Don't be too dogmatic about the way that you eat, be open to trying a new approach. No one knows your body better than you, and I encourage you to experiment frequently. Now, I'm not saying to go out and not to find nutrition advice because I think there's a lot of really helpful information out there. Otherwise, I wouldn't be putting out a podcast. But what I am saying is to follow your body's own cues and how you look and perform. If, If you're not making progress, if you still feel horrible after like two months of trying a diet, it might be time to try a new diet. It's not that you need to go lower with carbs or that you need to do XYZ. You may honestly just need to try something different. So you're going to have to experiment to see what's going to help you to look, feel, and perform at your best. But know that even if this feels like a kind of frustrating process during the time, this is time that's going to be really well spent. Also, keep in mind that it doesn't always have to be big changes that are going to be a game changer for someone. Many times it can be small tweaks, something like the amount of carbohydrates that somebody's getting in their diet. It could be the amount of carbs that somebody's having post-workout. It could be stress reduction. It could be the amount of sleep that you're getting. Basic things like that and little tweaks there can really provide large benefits for a whole lot of people. So you never know what small tweaks to your nutrition could make a big change in how you feel and how you perform every single day. So that's our 12 principles for sticking to better nutrition. If you'd like any of the documents that I spoke about in this podcast, make sure to email me at evolvnt.pdx at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Snapchat at evolventpdx. You can find me on Instagram at Evolve Nutritional Therapy. And you can find me on Facebook at Evolve Nutritional Therapy, LLC. Thanks again for listening and I'll talk to you next week.